in a field. A dozen vultures sat their bulk upon the skeletal remnants of a lightning-struck tree, alone in the clearing. Bare several seasons now and shorn of all finery, the essential limbs like fingers grasping at the sky, and worn pale by a sun which had not been seen in several days, polished smooth by a wind which screamed eternal through the trembling and naked woods. With each passing minute, the detail bled from the birds until they were their shadow. Wicked sickle curve of wings shrugged like shoulders beneath a hag's cloak, their form ominous against the coppery atmosphere. The soldier had been awake several minutes, listening to his own breathing. When he stood, snow fell from him in chunks and powder, low rumble of distant artillery. He slung his rifle and set out. The birds watched him always, and as he passed under the tree, one spread its wings, plenty wide to wrap around him whole. The feathers rustled in all that silence, and the soldier shuddered, as though they caressed the skin of his back. The chill settled into his muscles. He clenched his spine and held his shoulders back tight, and his whole body shook. His back ached and his legs throbbed and his fingers burned. He could not feel his toes. He walked. His K-Pung slanted from his hunched form and swung strangely, frozen rigid in patches. The earth was a granite chiaroscuro of mud and snow. The cold had already formed a sheen of ice over all of it, and each step made a terrible crunching beneath his boots. Eyes busy behind the little icicles that hung half-melted from his eyebrows, probing the gauzy twilight mist. All the forest beyond his immediate vicinity remained agonizingly opaque, his eyes saw shapes in that fuzzy gray, or else invented them, like walking through a dream. For a long time he followed a frozen creek bed, or anyway it seemed a long time. The soldier was lately finding his sense of time and proportion, and a great many other things to be unreliable. His breath was ragged in his ears, and the cold air burned in his throat, and he did not like how little else he could hear over its din whenever he was moving. When he emerged up a muddy slope from the creek bed, the terrain continued to rise and he found himself soon walking through a birch forest. More snow here, hard-packed, reflecting the meager moonlight. The trees materialized out of the darkness one and two at a time like ethereal beings. At one point, he thought that he heard footsteps somewhere off to his side. He stopped, making every effort to dampen his own breathing, wondering if he ought to duck or somehow make his profile smaller. Nearly a minute passed, he didn't hear anything else, and he didn't receive a bullet in his temple, and so he carried on, tense at first, waiting for the rifle report that never came. He mused that he may not even hear it when it did. He'd lift his foot up to take another step, thinking nothing of it, and be erased from existence before it touched the ground. His teeth clattered so violently in his skull that he thought they would shatter. His head throbbed with the cold. At some point in that endless night, the clock ticked over, and it was Christmas. The wind started, and it did not relent. It came screaming down through the forest like a mountain lion. Bare branches quivered and bent before it, and the soldier rotated his direction of travel so as not to catch it straight to his face. His nose ached with the cold regardless, fingers locked in place by red knuckles. 
The wind grew teeth, blue shards of hail sideways like a weapon, frozen shrapnel shredding his cheeks, pelting his cape. He came to a tree, cocooned in pale cobwebs, the detritus flailing in the wind like angry spirits swarming around the branches. He nearly tripped over black roots and his toes throbbed in half-frozen socks. The top leather of his right boot had begun to separate from the sole, and pressed chunks of snow slid between his toes with each step. The whine of the wind rose and fell like some lunatic choir. A faint fuzziness crept in at his ears and fingertips and around the edges of his vision. In the dark, he stepped out onto air and slid some dozen feet on a rocky ravine wall. His leg caught under him, and he thought in hindsight that he'd felt or even heard something pop. And when he came to a stop at the bottom, and all of the other scrapes and bumps had presented themselves and receded, he was left with a deep and pulsing pain in his ankle. He did not even try to walk or pull himself from the wet and heavy snow which held his lower half tight. The wind here sounded distant. The soldier could hear his own breathing. He tilted his head back, cushioned by the snow. Dull, rusty clouds were roiling low in the sky. The wind sounded even farther, and at some point there was nothing to be heard of it. Snowflakes filtered down from the sky, and the world all around sounded especially small, as if his ears were stuffed with cotton. His eyelids closed, and he let them, and made no urgent effort to reopen them, and possibly several hours had passed when he finally did. The forest was steeped with a meager blue-gray light that made everything appear ghostly and half-formed. Pre-dawn. The soldier rose from the fog of lingering dreams with one manic heartbeat. His eyes had found a buck, no more than twenty yards ahead. The animal was studying him. Neither he nor the man moved for a long time. When finally the buck broke their eye contact, it was to find some grass to eat amongst the rocks and snow. He chewed, took one last look at the man wedged waist-deep in the snow, and then turned his back and walked away. Several minutes later, the man picked himself up and continued on. The snow had stopped, and it was several minutes before he noticed that his ankle, while a bit sore, was not particularly bothering him. As he walked, the soldier saw a light somewhere in his periphery or he thought he did. As he turned to sight it directly, it disappeared, for a moment, only to once again appear as a blip in the corner of his eye as he moved on. Nothing more than a little dot, a terrestrial star. It played this game for several minutes, appearing and reappearing through the trees, somewhere out in all that darkness. The soldier's eyes adjusted, and when he emerged on the edge of an open field, he found the daylight had grown just enough that he could almost see reliably across to the other side, the far tree line perhaps a quarter mile distant. The place was flat and featureless, save for the broken stalks that rose shivering from the mud. As he walked, the daylight grew, and then the small light appeared again, off to his right, at the approximate center of the wide clearing. A lone candle flame, amongst low, hunched figures. The soldier stopped, didn't dare even drop to his stomach, for fear of making any movement at all in the overbearing stillness. None of the figures moved. They crouched a hundred yards from where he stood. The sky grew lighter with each passing minute, and eventually the soldier took a few hesitant steps towards the grouping. Closer and closer he moved, avoiding the crunching snow wherever he could manage it, but no matter how much noise he made, none of the small crowd gathered there moved. He drew near and found the figures arranged in two concentric rings. A manger scene had been set there in front of a large boulder. Mary and Joseph, the wise men. All mannequins, polished and featureless faces turned toward the empty cradle, straw bedding fluttering now and then with the breeze. 
The lone candle set atop the rock, wax mounted to the flat, altar-like surface, small flame twisting about in the murky dawn. Around this wooden party of agilates, there stood a ring of six dark-robed figures, just shy of seven feet tall, the soldier guessed, their construction hidden by garment and shadow. He suspected by their total lack of movement that they were of similar make to the holy mannequins they seemed to watch, but he would not go near enough to peer beneath the hood at any of their visages. He felt the silence of the place as a tightness in his chest. A translucent film wrapped itself around the jaundiced moon, already faded into the coming day. It squatted low over the horizon, sinister purple sky, upper right crescent shaded so that it seemed to hang canted from a string, cratered face gazing down on the darkly rolling land, sickly glow outlining two long-fingered clouds floating past like the snout and periscopic eye of some cosmic crocodile approaching its unlucky meal, out past the ragged tops of naked trees in some wretched land beyond man's sight and at the outermost fringes of his imagining. An artillery bombardment began several miles to the north, closer than anything he'd heard in days. He turned and walked west, back into the trees. When he looked back, the candle had been extinguished. There was something reckless within him that day, and he walked well into daylight. Soon the sun had risen entirely, and he did not slow his pace. The perverse thrill animated his legs, and when the clouds broke and the sun shone down on him, he felt as if he could walk clear across Europe. That night he found a barn. The inside indicated that it had likely been abandoned sometime within the last year. Lighting a match, he checked the shadows in the corners and found no other occupants save for the spiders. He tossed an armful of hay into a nook in the architecture and settled in, pulled his collar up around his tender ears, tucked his nose down into the wool. Soon he was asleep. He woke sometime in the night with an acute but directionless sense that something out there had awakened him. Silence. Only a dull ringing in his ears. The barn door opened. The silhouette against the frozen night sky was that of another soldier. He stood there in the doorway for a long time, chest rising and falling, clouds of breath dissipating amongst the stars. He stepped inside and closed the door behind him, and the soldier could hear him breathing. He silenced his own. The intruder lit a match, and the soldier saw that he was the enemy. An officer... He gave the place a cursory once-over and did not see the soldier, and then he sat down in a corner amongst some bales of hay and shook his match, and the barn was plunged back into near-total darkness. Some rustling. A moment later, another match was struck against the dark, and the stranger bent forward to light his pipe. He looked to be fifty, which meant he was likely forty, or perhaps even thirty-five. His eyes showed with a far-off gentleness at his being settled for the evening, and he pulled some loose hay over his lap. The soldier held his rifle between his legs, butt tucked loosely against his stomach and hand floating beside the trigger. Barely touching the stock, he guided the barrel sights down, till gravity brought them to rest over the man's glowing and thinly creased face. He shook out the match, and the soldier held the gun's sights over the darker patch of dark for what might have been an hour. He listened across the minutes as the officer's breathing grew steadier and then became a low snore. The soldier did not recall ever falling asleep himself, though at some point he must have at least grazed it, and when he came to, the officer was speaking. You there, boy. The soldier's skin constricted tight. Are you so scared? After a long silence, the officer began to laugh, bellowing. He laughed and laughed, and it filled the barn. 
The soldier stretched his index finger across the trigger. He could barely bend a knuckle from the cold. The officer quieted, and the barn seemed quieter then than it ever had been. No, 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 that's all wrong. You simply do not understand. Mother, how many times have I told you? I don't want to go for a walk right now. Can't you see it's going to rain? Any minute now. Any minute. Any minute. He said nothing else, and soon his snoring began again with a slight whimper, and the soldier realized that the man had been talking in his sleep. He had no sensation in the tips of his fingers and his toes, and his ears and his nose, a discomforting sensation in itself. He sat blinking in the darkness, his ass frozen on the solid dirt, trying to keep his molars from clattering against one another. He waited for morning like a blindfolded sea captain, steering his charge through the great abyss, assured by every neuron of logic and reason that if he steers in one direction for long enough, he is bound to run aground somewhere, eventually. That the water must end, at some point, cannot simply go on forever. All while the world around his vessel, with each passing minute, would seem to indicate the opposite. Who says? That something has happened before is no guarantee it will happen again, and just because you left land behind you doesn't mean you're promised to find land out ahead. And yet at the far shore of eternity, another gray morning did rise, and not long after, so did the officer. He looked right at the soldier, whose nook did little to conceal him in the light. The barrel of the gun had not wavered over those many frigid hours, and the officer, his eyes adjusting, soon seemed to understand what he was looking at, and straightened up a bit, shifting foot to foot, and cleared his throat. You don't have to. The two men stared at each other for a long time, and nothing else in the world around them moved. Not a squirrel, not even the wind outside the barn. It can be like neither of us was ever here. The soldier did not understand a single word that the officer spoke, but, and perhaps because of this, because he was only hearing raw syllables and voice, he detected the current of fear quivering just beneath the man's breast. He made no indication to the man, and he held the rifle steady, but when the man ventured a step toward the door, he did not shoot, nor did he shoot on the man's second and third steps in that direction. The officer never hurried, never let his gaze leave the soldiers, as though he'd made a tenuous pact with a disgruntled jungle cat whose den he'd wandered into. The daylight poured in, scorching white on the retinas, and the officer closed the door behind him, and a moment later, the soldier heard his footsteps trailing away to the east. He lay there several minutes after that, perched and soot-faced, blinking like some stunned nested mammal. His bones ached and joints seized when he tried tenderly to stand, and moving the cold inside of him became fresh again, as if he'd shaken it loose from all the deep places where it had burrowed and allowed it to run anew across his skin, and every part of him recoiled, shrank. He stepped outside, shielded his face. The sun was shining, and it took a moment before he could bear to open his eyes more than a sliver. A light snow had fallen overnight and coated everything and covered the bare branches of the trees in slender piles. The air was fresh and sharp in his lungs and he stood outside the door, feeling his chest rise and fall beneath the woolen coat and watching his breath. There was something in the forest watching him from behind a fallen log. A fox, his ears at attention, and head cocked just so to the one side as he regarded the man. 
Animals of any variety were scarcely found in the greater vicinity of battlefields which saw sustained combat. This fox, the soldier thought, must be a cunning one, or else a very troubled one. He was dead as soon as he heard the shot ring out. His body lingered there for a moment, still standing, but leaning like a sail full of wind, his brow furrowed, and then he crumpled, hit the earth and moved no more. The snow, half-melting round his head, soon formed a warped scarlet corona, and the fox bolted noiselessly into the woods. A few miles to the south, another artillery barrage roared to life.